0: Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Thinking Else That podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson with me in uh, smoky Los Angeles.
1: Oh no, it's beautiful blue sky. San Francisco over the weekend was awful. San Francisco was surrounded by smoke on all sides. Okay. Um, It was actually really, really weird. It was like burning your eyes and lungs and stuff like I stayed inside for the weekend in San Francisco which I never do yeah um, but now back in LA it's be- beautiful blue sky forever. for some reason
0: I thought the fires were in Southern California
1: um, all of the state of California is on fire basically but uh, oh, I live okay you know I live in a very urban place here and there's not fires close enough to the city of LA or the wind has just not you know shifted the wrong way yeah um, I remember last summer when all those big fires were in Santa Barbara, um, I guess the wind was blowing south, and we had like ash covering uh like cars and stuff outside and it was really really weird but um no, so far, we have not gotten any fires uh real close to here
0: huh otherwise, life is
1: good life is beautiful i love i'm not done to talk about the weather, but uh I love winter time in Los Angeles is the best time of year in Los Angeles. Like I went for a hike yesterday. I had to wait. I had to like wait during the day for it to cool down a little bit so that I could go, uh, you know, it was like 76. I was like, ah, I'm gonna wait for it to get a little cooler. <laughs> I waited for it to get to like 71 before I went for my
0: little walk up the mountain. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's lovely. And then I had friends over for
0: Dungeons and Dragons last night, which is always a delight. That does sound fun. I went running this morning and it was forty out. So. Oh god! Oh, my. <laughs> um, I tend to like start my run a little slower so that I can warm up. But I keep thinking to myself now that it's so cold that I I have to run faster right from the beginning. Otherwise, I'm going to get colder. By going slow at first <laughs> until I'm like actually warmer, so it's, it's I don't really have a chance to warm up, but anyways. So, anyways, today on the show, uh, we apparently have an accommodations update from a September test taker. Okay, uh, two listeners who have we're going to hear from two listeners who have bravely submitted their personal statements for review. Oh boy, oh wait, so that means we have two personal statements today, maybe. Wow. Okay, okay, uh, and then. LSAT India Strikes Again, we're going to go on to question three from Logical Reasoning. Cool. Um, You can always email the show if you have questions at help at thinkinglsat.com. That goes to Sarah, who's done a wonderful job keeping the agenda organized. When you send us your questions, if you're so inclined, send us your selfies as well. They may end up being used to uh, promote the show. If you have not joined the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook, I would strongly suggest that you do so. We now have a thousand, over 1,000 members. It uh, looks like it's 1,074 today. Uh, there's all sorts of chatter over there. In fact, when I don't hear about things related to the LSAT, um, I do end up hearing about it on Facebook. Someone hears it and posts it there. So yeah. it's exciting. There's also the Thinking LSAT Facebook page. I'm not necessarily sure what the value is of that, but you're always welcome to link to that. Just search at Thinking LSAT in Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at Thinking LSAT, Nathan at Fox, and me at Olson Benjamin. We both provide classes in our respective states. I'm at strategyprep.com and Nathan is at foxlsat.com. We also both do uh, one-on-one tutoring online on Skype I would say that most of my students are actually on Skype nowadays. 99.9% of my students. Wow, 99.9%. Yes. <laughs> How many st- <laughs> That means you have to have like a thousand students and one of them, right? And one of them is not on Skype?
1: I occasionally if I if I, I happen to be like passing through somebody's town and I like have have met them before and I feel like it would be fun to to get together and have coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I will say, Hey, you know, maybe you want to try to meet in person, but otherwise Skype is, it's every bit as good for online tutoring. Um, it's face to face. In fact, it's almost more face to face than like real life sometimes mm. uh, just because in real life you don't like sit a foot away from each other and look right at each other's face. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> you know? Gaze into
0: each other's yeah. eyes. <laughs> but
1: on, on Skype, tutoring you kind of can and and as far like people also they're like but how do you do the logic games and I'm like um well you can either hold up your paper to the camera which totally works mm-hmm. or um I tend to do my sessions from home and I have a big whiteboard and I just you know set up in front of the whiteboard and I can demonstrate like that so yeah it's amazing never would have imagined that we would be doing all this stuff online but uh yeah my no I, my students are everywhere and uh, Skype works awesome for LSAT tutoring.
0: You know, it's funny you talk about the games. I remember when um, Skype and one on one tutoring online became, was starting to become more of a thing. I felt like there was all this concern about the platform that you're using and that you have to have this like oh, yeah. <laughs> whiteboard. And I remember signing up for those services and they were a little clunky and slow because the internet was slower. And it's interesting that, like so many things, they just don't really pan out, they're just not necessary. <laughs> A simple yeah, camera is all
1: you need. Right. Like low tech or or relatively low tech still works a lot, right? Yeah. So yeah, same thing. I, I remember not signing up for all of those <laughs> services that we yeah. still get. We still get like emails and phone calls and stuff all the time, right? Of people wanting to sell us yeah. stupid teaching platforms. But it's like, you know, I don't need to be super sharing my desktop and I don't need to be with a stylus drawing things <laughs> on a virtual whiteboard, like, that's, that's not necessary. I have yeah. a camera, we have Skype, we're talking. Um, I have paper, I have a pencil, I have a whiteboard, a real whiteboard. It's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. I used to, same thing about video, right? I mean, I used to yeah. be like real persnickety about, well, I got to make sure that I get the, microphone pinned to my lapel and make sure that, that um, <laughs> not that I have lapels, microphone pinned to my t-shirt. Um, yeah. and, uh, and make sure that, uh, that the, the whole quality on the video is, you know, perfect. And it's like nowadays I just hit record on my Mac and the, all the feedback I get from students is like, I, I don't even notice the quality. I just, I'm listening for the explanation. Like, I want you to make it make sense for me. Yep. Uh, <laughs> like, okay, well I can do that. Like, just let me hit record and you know, yeah, so that's yeah, it's it's interesting to be like sort of almost semi Luddite about the technology part. <laughs> just like, well, hey, we just do the minimum and just keep it keep it moving here. Keep making progress.
0: Yeah, it works. We also have a joint project. It's the uh, LSAT demon. Um, I have several updates on the demon.
1: Yeah, we're not Luddite about the LSAT demon.
0: No, we're not. And we work on it like mad yesterday. um, I worked on it with AJ and Matt from dusk until or no, from dawn until dusk. Uh but we got a lot done and let me give you some of the updates. For starters, I don't know, I feel like last week I can't remember the exact numbers I gave everybody, but we have quintupled the number of students. Well, I don't know that we've done anything, but the number of students who are signing up <laughs> has quintupled since last week. This Growth is exciting, but it also seemed to have one of the consequences was to slow down how quickly the our explanations were loading. Nathan, I don't know if you knew this, but people would do a question, and then the explanation would slowly like pop up. Hmm. And so we we dug into that and ramped that up. So now it's a lot faster. The developers got it down to milliseconds. I. Don't really care about those details as long as it pops up quickly. Yeah. We added hundreds of new explanations yesterday. So explanations that both you and I had created just hadn't gotten into the demon yet. It's a complex process because there are thousands of questions and you just don't want a lot of overlap, but we figured that out. We also revamped the reports page. I don't know how many people are using it, but now it's super clear. It gives you how well you're doing for each question type. Your average difficulty for each question type, it averages it for the entire section, so you can just get a quick snapshot and say, oh, look, I'm doing worse in logical reasoning or worse in games, and that can kind of prompt you to decide which section you focus on. We also gave students the ability to remove recent tests from the demons so that they don't get exposed to those questions if that's a big concern to them. It's not something that we're super concerned about, but that's what people have been asking for. I think I mentioned this last time, but we added this new feature where people can ask us questions directly once they finish a question. And Nathan has jumped all over that and is now making videos and sending them to students who ask for more help. And so that's been cool to see.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I love doing it. I, if it's a question that it's fun for me, actually, because I haven't really spent very much time at all with prep tests, one through about 40 and yeah. so I'm getting all of these they're like well, you know I'm an ultra nerd I mean it's like christmas for me when it's like hey here's a new logical reasoning question that you get yeah. to play with <laughs> it, they really are fun for me so um yeah I'm I'm really enjoying just doing all these all these questions that I've never never even
0: seen before Yeah no it's good so as we've come to discover as we're getting better at becoming developers we're not developers ourselves but learning to work with developers and making something that's very technical. Every time we release, release new features and try to make it better, we tend to see new bugs. But I wanted to say thanks to everyone because there, are, there continues to be more and more users and they continue to just provide super helpful feedback. They're all very excited but very helpful at the same time. So I just wanted to say thanks to everybody and we hope it just keeps getting better. Beautiful. Yeah. righty. Let's see here. First question.
1: So I got an email yesterday um, from a a student listener saying that the 35 minute timer that we recorded on Spotify only, but not on any of the other platforms, that 35 minute timer sounds awful on Spotify Mm. only. Okay. Adam is investigating it. And if we find out anything, we'll let you know. But for now, you can check out the timer on iTunes and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and anywhere else that you get thinking else at um, but that 35 minute timer sounds like garbage on Spotify and we can't figure out why because <laughs> Spotify pulls from the same RSS feed as all the other places hmm. it just seems like gremlins got in there <clears throat> somehow when they when Spotify pulled th- that just that one file so everything else on Spotify sounds fine but the 35 minute timer sounds terrible so i don't know if maybe some listener miraculously has a fix for that but we we don't know what's up. And it's it seems like something that's really hard for us to fix.
0: I have a theory. Uh-huh. I think that if you're not a paid subscriber of Spotify, they give you a lower-res version of the songs. And so I wonder if they're doing the same thing for our timer, and it's low enough that it actually makes it not sound good.
1: Mm, I, um, I... That, that theory uh, could be correct. However... <laughs> <laughs> Um, my guess would be that uh, Adam probably is a paid subscriber of Spotify. Mm. Uh, and so, and, and that's not happening for him. He, he's It only is static key for the 35 minute timer. And also, it, apparently, it's if like it were real, that bad,
0: it's real yeah. bad too. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Okay. Good hypothesis.
0: <laughs> hey. I'm always happy to speculate. I guess I'll take this next one. So, Ben and Nathan, thank you for your amazing show and resources. Exclamation point. If this makes it on the show, please call me Michael Scarn. Okay? I wanted to let you guys know about the weird accommodation situation I found myself in. I have an inflammatory disease that affects my spine, so I requested, quote, stop the clock breaks in order to stand and stretch in sections. Oh, interesting. So you can just have a little time out at any moment in the test? That's Hmm. Okay, anyway. I probably could have received extra time, but didn't feel right about it. <laughs> I I don't understand the stop the clock break. That's the same as getting extra time. If you're stuck on a game, you're just like, stop the clock, my back's hurting. I'm, I'm not trying to say you would abuse it, Michael, but <clears throat> it could easily be abused, I think. Anyways, not only was my accommodation granted, but my letter stated that every time I took a break, one minute would be added on to my remaining time. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So wait, is the clock being stopped and a minute is being added? Sounds like it. Wow, okay. Again, I did not ask for this, continues Michael. I took three breaks per section, resulting in three extra minutes for each section. Theoretically, I could have paused every minute and received double time. (laughs) There were no limits or parameters of any kind stated in the letter. Seems dangerous, right? Yeah, it does. Anyways, although (laughs) in this new environment where anyone and everyone can get accommodations, uh, this solution to your problem sounds rather conservative and probably good, uh, assuming, especially if they had put a cap on it, that would have been nice. Anyways, he continues, thanks to your podcast and books, I hit 170 on the September test. This was within my score band, so I don't feel too guilty about my gift from Elsac. I would have let you guys know right when I got my letter, but decided to wait until I got my score in case Elsac infiltrated thinking LSAT. Yeah, I don't think that's a high risk. Uh, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little. S- Wait, what?
1: I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. A little Best.
0: stitious.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Okay.
0: <laughs> you don't like that joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I no, thought it I get was it. clever. No, it is clever. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little stitious, I guess. So I can't read here. Um, <laughs> thank you, Michael. That that's it. Hmm. There's all sorts of accommodations out there.
1: There's basically any accommodations that you want, slash even if you don't want. <laughs> um, I'm glad that Michael has a you know bit of a moral compass here and is not just straight taking full advantage. It seems like Michael pretty clearly could have just asked for double time and gotten double time. Um, yeah. It also seems like almost anybody could ask for double time and get double time if that's what they want. But uh, yeah, that's weird. I can't believe they're just adding a minute. Her stop, that's so strange. You know, it'll be real interesting to see how this plays out. I, I am, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be really curious. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about people who get a lot of extra time and then end up getting eight extra LSAT points and then end up getting into some school that's a little bit like potentially out of their league.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I, you know, they're. extra time on a law school. I guess they'll get extra time on their law school exams though too. So Mm -hmm. that's okay. But then the bar exam, um, at least in California, I think it's real hard to get extra time on the bar exam. So I don't know. You might be digging yourself a little bit of a hole, but who am I to judge? I mean, the real tragedy of the whole thing is just that there's so much money involved, right? Like you could, it, if you do this, sort of unjustly, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) you might end up getting $150,000 worth of free education. Yeah. Pretty big incentive to (laughs) use this system to your unfair advantage.
2: Yeah.
0: I was just thinking that if I were to try to solve this problem, uh, a typical section has a decent number of difficulty one and difficulty two questions and then a few difficulty three and then a decent number of four and five questions. I would increase the percentage of difficulty four or five questions. And then I would give, I would give fewer questions. Oh, so no, I wouldn't, I would just get rid of the easier questions, just get rid of them. And so now people have more time. They they have 35 minutes, but it's now more time per question. And it's like go for it. These are hard questions. Either you know it or you don't know it, and let's divvy up people on the basis of that. So they can stop worrying about the time thing. I don't know. There's always going to be people who will say, "Oh, well, I need more time," but
1: yeah, I think I I similar to that. My proposal has always been, well, what if you just make the LSAT untimed? Mm-hmm. Like make it fewer questions,
0: like ten really hard questions. Yeah. Cause then you get those people who are high scores, but they're still like, "Wow, that's a tough question." Like, yeah, well, that separated you from someone else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know
1: what the solution is. It'll be interesting to see how many people are applying for accommodations when the next round of that data comes out. Mm. You know. Yeah, it, it keeps climbing. Like,
2: right? Yeah.
1: Oh well, it has to be now. I mean, we hear it seems. I, I am definitely hearing reports of people applying for accommodations who have no real case for it. I mean, other than they know they're going to get it because they have a, <laughs> you know, they have a doctor's prescription for something at some point in the recent history, and they just, yeah, they can get
0: the accommodations. Uh, that reminds me of one other thing about this. Not to belabor this point, but I was talking to someone the other day, and I think they had. ADHD or something, and I said, oh, have you sought accommodations? And she said, well, I haven't because I talked to my doctor, and my doctor said that he didn't think I could get it. (laughs) And I'm like, what does your doctor know about what LSAC is going to do? I mean, they're supposed to know, right, something. They're supposed to have, like, evaluate the seriousness of your situation. So the doctor was probably offering them advice that makes like reasonable sense in a reasonable case. But if some doctor is not willing to go to bat for you and say that you deserve accommodations, if there's a chance that you might deserve them, uh, you might want to go to a different doctor because LSAC seems to be saying yes to any doctor who says you should get extra time. I mean, it's a, <laughs> I don't want to open the floodgates, but that's, I don't know. It's just, Jeez, man. If like, if you can get it, it's a game changer. Yeah, you can always
1: get a second opinion. So, I mean, and your doctor has no idea what the LSAC doesn't even know about the LSAC. Your doctor doesn't. Your 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 GP has no idea what types of things get accommodated for. Yeah, and what those accommodations are, and probably doesn't know what those accommodations are worth. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're not encouraging people to go unjustly get accommodations. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I do kind of judge people who do that. Like if, if I hear that story that people do that, I kind of go, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, there are also, by the way, people who score high 170s without extra time, right? <laughs> like <laughs> these, these are bright people who are real hardworking who can score in the high 170s uh, normal time. Mm-hmm. And Those are the people you're going to have to compete with in the legal world. Yep. So, you know, just be be careful about (laughs) what, uh, what type of game you're trying to get yourself into.
0: Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. You ready for this statement?
1: Oh, boy. Hi, all. I'd love to be ripped a new one if you'd like to annihilate my personal statement on the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Here we go. Conducting research at Cincinnati Children's Hospital is one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. I have immediate thoughts about that sentence.
0: Okay. I have some thoughts as
2: well.
1: Well, isn't it? We we just recently were looking at a personal statement where instead of making the subject of the sentence I, mm-hmm. now the subject of this sentence is conducting research at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Yep. That's the subject of your sentence. It's six words. It could have been I, and instead it's conducting research at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Yep. Which is I don't know what to call that. It's but it's it's a lot for a subject. Yeah. It's not you. It's it's the act of conducting research at this certain hospital.
0: You've taken a verb, conducting research, and turned it into a big, long noun. Right. And
1: Then for your verb in the sentence, you've used is.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the weakest verbs in the planet.
1: Yeah, a form of the verb to be, which you should just try to root out of your writing as much as possible. Because now instead of you conducting something, conducting research is a thing that you're now going to describe. And that's what she does. She tells us that it is one of the most rewarding experiences of her life. So it's just kind of like exactly everything that we've been complaining about. Mm -hmm. It it seems like telling to me, right? This is just a conclusion. I mean, you're not, you're not showing me what you actually do. I mean, yes, you have told me that you conduct research, but I don't know what kind of research. I don't know why it would be rewarding. I can guess. That conducting research at a children's hospital would be rewarding, but you're, you're trying to just force that conclusion down my throat instead of telling me about the research you do. I want to learn about you. I don't want you to just be giving me that conclusion.
0: And we're talking about this a lot in this sentence in particular, because your most important sentence is your first one and then your last one. So don't, don't mess this one up.
1: I would have been so much happier with, I conduct research at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, period. Yeah. And then that would have been much shorter. And then I would have just immediately flowed into the next sentence where I want to hopefully learn about what that looks like.
0: And I'm scanning ahead and she says, all in hopes of one day curing sickle cell disease. That's what you should really be saying in your first sentence.
1: I conduct research at Cincinnati Children's Hospital in the hope of someday curing sickle cell disease
0: yeah that's huge what what yeah you're working on something meaningful something challenging something that requires some mental chops we know a lot more about you right away by the way please keep working on
1: that and don't go to law school
0: yeah (laughs) wait what why
1: (laughs) i mean seriously though like that's really you're curing uh, major you're curing disease like
0: please keep please keep curing disease yeah. Please don't the,
1: quit curing disease in order to go be a lawyer.
0: Oh, my God. The, lo- the world needs you there more than it needs you in the law. The world does not need more lawyers.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, should we move on? Yep. Okay. I spend my time reading scientific journals, performing experiments, and analyzing data, all in hopes of one day curing
0: sickle cell disease.
1: Clinical we, research... I,
0: sorry, I just hate these general lists. It's like people are trying to like spray the wall or throw spaghetti on the wall and say, look at all these things that I do. Yeah, Um, It's nice that they are uh, showing. They're showing us what you do. But I'd rather you just pick one and expand on it or don't talk about it.
1: Yeah. Um, That said, I would like to compliment Sarah that these sentences are actually correct. Mm -hmm. They're easy enough to read. Mm -hmm. They are. This list that she gives here uses... Three verbs, all with ing at the end of them. That's
0: right. Parallel uh, list
1: with uh, the
0: Oxford comma.
1: Yeah. And then it's, a, it's also with the third sentence, clinical research is governed by heavy regulations. That's a nice short sentence.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: she's mixing it up. The sentences are not too long. It's a mix mm-hmm. of short and long. And they are clearly written, uh, easy to read. So all that, she gets definitely a high five. I mean, this is... This is way better than like any other personal statement we've read recently.
0: It is okay, and people <laughs> people are stepping up to
1: the challenge. Isn't Isn't it amazing, Ben, how we can read three sentences and just immediately we just know, right? We it's like Sarah, you're you're good. You're 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 going to be good to go. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. Um, we could talk, you know. Obviously, that first sentence leaves a little something to be desired, but not because it's a bad sentence. Uh, it's clear that you know how to write, you know how to edit. You've thought about this before you sent it to us. (laughs) I don't know if she printed it out and read it out loud, but she might be one of the people who doesn't even need to do that Yeah. because she's just capable of actually writing clearly. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Clinical research is governed by heavy regulations. These laws are put in place for many reasons, such as risk reduction for patients, management of research institutions and assurance of sound, reliable research. I'm getting a little bored here, frankly. I mean, this is another one of those lists. And it's I, I, I'm like, what's it have to do with you?
0: Yeah. She's also shifted into the abstract voice right mm-hmm. here by mm-hmm. saying management of research and assurance of. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see these like nouns with of, you're forcing your reader to translate them into something else. So that they can actually concretely see what's going on. When you say management of research institutions, I have to slow down. I think management of research institutions. In other words, someone needs yeah. to oversee them so that they don't fuck up. Is that what you're saying? It's not like impossible to figure out, but it's it's not an actor doing something. Well,
1: why not just say these laws reduce risk for patients? Govern research institutions. Uh, that doesn't really do anything or whatever. And assure sound, reliable research, sure. right? Replace Instead of all assurance. These nouns. Head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, lawyers play a vital role in evaluating and explaining these rules to make sure clinical research is compliant. And this is something I have become very interested in pursuing in a future career as a lawyer. That's your worst sentence so far.
0: Super long. Never use the word Very. Yeah,
1: I I don't want to hear this. Lawyers play a vital role.
0: You're telling the law school what lawyers do.
1: Right. I I don't I don't want you rhapsodizing about how important lawyers are. Mm -hmm. I'm not learning anything about Sarah now. Right. Mm -hmm. Sarah, who are you, though? What do what's your what's your special talent? You know, (laughs) like what do you what do you do? What's your thing? Yeah, and there's no thing here. There's just like, well, this is laws are important because of these reasons, and lawyers are real important, like uh, yeah, yeah, I uh-huh. That's not the purpose of this document. The purpose of this document is for me to learn about you, Sarah. Okay, moving on. My job requires me to be an independent thinker Telling. she she tells us, yeah, instead of shows us. My laboratory team collaborates to design and execute intricate research experiments. A little vague, would rather hear about one of them. And I would definitely rather hear about you doing something instead of your team collaborating to do something. Mm-hmm. I don't see why collaborates has to be the verb there. If you're designing and, ex- and, and and executing experiments, I would rather hear about those than hear about the collaborating. Yep. Um, I often critically evaluate dense scholarly articles to find relevant information for planning my own experiments, usually juggling several projects at a time. I then take what I've learned from these publications and apply the strategies to my own experiments, as well as develop. As well as that. I never use that phrase. Yeah. And 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 develop protocols for my lab to use in the future.
0: Mm. As opposed to in the past? One thing Mm -hmm. here, can we step back for a second? When this sentence says, I often critically evaluate, it just illustrates the problem with using adverbs and adjectives. When you're using adverbs and adjectives, it strongly suggests... That strongly, <laughs> that yeah. you're telling us something yeah. rather than showing us something. And uh, Sarah, one thing about our critiques of people's personal statements is that when someone is good on one level, we jump to the next level and start nitpicking on that. So <laughs> until someone is perfect on every level, we're probably going to have something to say. Right now, we're, I think we're happy with. The topic, right? The topic seems like this. there could be a lot to say here that's impressive and shows responsibility and um, would be worth hearing about. But there's still a lot here that le- is left to be desired. And one thing I'm thinking about right now is your use of the word very, your wor- use of the word vital, your use of the word critically. Um, you are It's like you're yelling and saying... These things are so amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you feel the need to say that, then that suggests you're not giving us facts which speak for themselves and don't need embellishment. Yeah, I, I critically evaluate dense scholarly
1: articles, and mm. it's also it's she's just doing this. It's also general, right? Instead of like, can we see what a project looks like? Yep. This is not a day in the life. This is just this like sort of summary of.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Usually juggling several projects at a time. That's telling us. Yeah. Everybody loves
1: to talk about like their time management skills or the the fact that they that they multitask or the fact that they've got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. That's not that is not a differentiating factor. Everyone's busy. You said that on a recent episode, Ben. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, I know. What do you do though? What do you do? Because juggling several projects, yeah, we all do that. And even
0: if you do that and it's impressive or um, sheds light on your ability to take on a career that's going to require you to juggle several projects, you don't say, I juggle several projects. You talk about one, you talk about another, and you talk about another. And how they all happened at the same time. And then we draw the conclusion ourselves. Holy smokes. This person is responsible for a lot of things at once. They must know how to manage their time.
1: Yeah, you show it instead of telling it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Working on these projects has helped me to efficiently grasp new ideas and to critically analyze complex and abstract ideas telling. Yeah. Now I'm getting irritated. It's just like, okay, you, you, you just said critically three sentences ago. So now you're just repeating the exact same adverb and you're efficiently grasping new ideas. It's just purely telling. I I don't, I have no idea what you actually do. You're in a lab managing a lot of experiment shit. I don't, I don't get it. I'm not seeing, I'm not, I just, I'm not seeing it when I am not running experiments. I am categorizing and maintaining my labs experimental database. I organize the database for all our labs experiments and use it to generate status reports. Being solely responsible for such an essential part of my team's research has taught me to be diligent, precise, and efficient. (laughs) Sarah.
0: (laughs) Now we just have to believe you. She must be a diligent, precise, and an efficient person. Do people listen to the show, Ben? I don't know. I think we talk about showing versus telling every time, but maybe we're not doing a good job of showing how to show. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that yeah, they don't have any idea. No, goddammit, they
1: have to have an idea what we're talking about. We've we've said we've showed a million examples.
0: We are sending a challenge out to our listeners to comply with all of our advice and write a statement that is Immune from attack.
1: (laughs) If you would like to thank us, which we get all these really, you know, very nice emails, right? With people thanking us effusively for the the work we put in on the show. Mm -hmm. If you would like to thank us, one way that you can thank us is to take our advice. Show us how much you appreciate the thinking else, that podcast by writing a personal statement. That shows instead of tells how great you are. I, I, I will give a practical tip right now that Sarah could definitely use on her personal statement. She needs to do a control F for is, was, and to be because notice here being solely responsibility, uh, sorry, being, <laughs> being even is the first word of the sentence. So you add being to the list all the forms of the verb to be, you can, you can look for, I'm not saying you can't ever use them. I'm saying you should look for opportunities to omit or to change Mm -hmm. and use active verbs instead. So being solely responsible for such an essential part of my team's research has taught me to be diligent, precise, and efficient. And that is just purely telling that to be right there. Maybe if she would have control F found that right. It mm-hmm. might have given her a, a hint about a place where she's telling instead of showing.
0: Now, let's show her an example here of a sentence that would illustrate diligence, precision, or efficiency. Well, the, fir- the sentence right before that,
1: I organized the database for our lab's experiments. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're doing something now. And notice that it starts mm-hmm. with the word I, and then it uses a verb. I organize. Good. Mm -hmm. I use it to generate status reports. I generate status reports. Good. Yep. And then if you just fill up your essay with stuff like that, then you don't need to tell me that you are diligent, precise, and efficient because you're just showing me using sentences that, that just say what you do, say what you do, not say what you are, say what you do. Does that help? I don't
0: know. Yeah. Well, one thing to keep in mind here is continuing on this idea, right? I organize the database for all our lab experiments, and I use it to generate status reports. What Sarah is doing and what a lot of people do is they tell us something that they do, but they don't dig into it. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what a status report is. I don't know how challenging that is. I don't know um, what's at stake who uses that information. And so this statement would be a lot better if you cut pretty much the entire second paragraph, the last part of the first paragraph, and you jump right into this and you say, I organize the database for all our labs experiments. And then you start to unpack that. You tell us what you do with the status reports, how they're, and so I, I become your student. I'm learning about that, and as I learn about that and you and what you're doing every day, I mean, your day is eight hours long, right, or longer, and it's filled with you doing tons of things that are important. Um, If you take one of these things and dig into it and provide facts so that I can visualize what you're doing, then I start to draw these conclusions, and you never have to say, being solely responsible for such an essential part of my team's research has taught me to be diligent, precise, and efficient. Um, what what about your role makes it so that your team is depending on you and that it's essential? Um, if we knew what these status reports were for, we would probably see that, oh, that is essential. And, yeah, I see that your team is depending on you for that. And, wow, you're responsible for that and you're delivering but you never say that. We just see that from your actions. Yep. Perfect. Can I say one more thing too? Yes, absolutely. Think about this. The better you get at stating facts and details that illustrate what you do. And then by extension, indirectly who you are, the better you will become an attorney because attorneys, when they make arguments to the court, They win their arguments with the way they frame their facts. People don't realize this until they start becoming (laughs) attorneys who have to make cases. And you have young attorneys who write out their facts in a very dry and boring manner. And then they think that the argument is won in how they bring the case law to the facts. It actually starts with the facts themselves. Good attorneys spend their most time setting up the facts in their brief so that the facts convince the judge that they're right before they even talk about the law.
1: Yeah, the court knows a lot more about the law than you do anyway, right? I mean,
0: <laughs> in theory, they should. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, they may need to be reminded of certain cases, but it, it, the way you frame what your client did to his employee and ha- what facts you decide to. Highlight are going to convince the judges who are just people, just like admissions officers are just people, to take sides before they even know what the law says. They're like, well, that guy sounds like a jerk. And I'm now going to rule in this person's favor. They're, of course, not explicitly thinking that, but like all human beings, they're already making judgments based on the facts that were given them. You're not giving us facts that make us judge you in a positive light. You're not giving us facts that make you judge you in a negative light. We just don't have very many facts here.
1: Very well. Uh, Very well said. I, I, Yeah, I really can't agree more. I'm I'm looking at this next paragraph. Should we move on? Yeah. Nearly a year ago, my team and I began working on a research project with a company outside our research institution. This is just, it's so dry it's so vague mm-hmm. a research project with a company uh, it's like where are we who are we who are you what is happening <laughs> what's going on yeah. i'm envisioning like just uh, white
0: hallways <laughs> <Map-codes>. with
1: just <laughs> yeah these like bo- like all the company outside your research institution is a bunch of just like gray suits faceless people <laughs> You know what I mean? These people are faceless. They don't say anything. They don't yeah. do anything. They don't the same with the scientists. It's just like,
0: huh? There's not there's yeah. There's no you're not a human. You have to be a human. How about this? Nearly a year ago, my team and I began working with a startup trying to develop a drug yeah. for sickle cell disease that ran into problems in regulation or ran into problems with the FDA. Let's not even talk about regulations. Let's talk about the actual actors. Right. right? And it's like, Oh, now I see what you're doing. You're working with this company who's trying to like create this drug and they have problems and now you're going to help them. I don't know. Like right now, like you said, it's this sterile. It's like, I feel like it's like something out of 1984 or something. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, the project is heavily regulated by the company we are collaborating with. Again, just like I, I mean, maybe she can't name the company, but if you can't get more specific than this, then you just need to strike all this because I, I, I'm just I can't you can't be keep saying the company we are collaborating with. Mm. Um, so our institution's legal department mediates all interactions, collaborates with both parties and plays a vital role in ensuring a successful experimental trial. As the project moved forward, I became fascinated with the role of our institution's attorney. He played an integral part in our experiment's success. I found myself continually intrigued by his role in our collaboration. This was the first moment I realized I wanted to be a lawyer. I, I just hate it so much. I really do. <laughs> I hate it so much. It's not about you
0: doing anything. Go ahead, Ben.: I, I, I feel like we've seen this sentence a lot. This was the first moment I realized I wanted to be a lawyer. People say this in different ways. Well, and, this was when I realized, or this is when I first knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. I attorney. think this is an Anne Levine I, thing, yeah, that she says
1: if there is a sentence that could be like airlifted into any other person's personal statement, mm-hmm. then that's not a sentence that belongs in your personal statement. So no, this was the first to... moment I realized I wanted to be a lawyer. Also, it has the passive using was. Mm-hmm. It, I, I honestly don't care about the first moment you wanted to be a lawyer, to be frank.
0: I want to know that you know now what you're getting into, regardless of when this first became apparent to you.
1: I want to know what you have done. You, you need to demonstrate to me that you have done things to like start moving down this path. Mm-hmm. I would much rather you take this attorney out for coffee. I'm not saying that, you know, I, like let me hear about you actually pursuing this path rather than just, wow, the attorney was so, they were just all in there. It's like, yeah. well, we're not admitting that attorney to this law school.
0: Yeah. You could even say after, huh, you could cut all this and just jump right to the point. After working with, and don't call it your institution, we're we're at the hospital, right? After working with the hospital's attorney or whoever on this project, and we need to know more about the project, um, this pharmaceutical project or whatever, I started doing X. I started talking to other attorneys who work in pharmaceutical regulation or whatever, and learned that this is the kind of work that I want to get involved in. Even then, I don't know that I would need to say that. But like Nathan is saying, telling us what you did after you made this epiphany, not that you made this epiphany.
1: Let's uh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through the rest of this pretty quick. Sure. Here. OK. Um, my eyes were opened were. Again, that's Passive. My eyes were opened to the possibilities of a career in law where I could impact medical research in an entirely new way. I started to spend my free time examining the countless ways these laws influence healthcare and medical research. I began to understand that as a lawyer, I could have an impact on health outcomes from an entirely different perspective. While I enjoy my job and being part of groundbreaking research at such a prestigious hospital, I found myself more and more drawn to the rules and regulations that govern medical research. I then looked for other ways lawyers play a part in clinical research and the healthcare field as a whole. A career in healthcare law will allow me to combine my passion, science, and for helping people with my interest in the laws and regulations that govern not only research but the medical field on a much larger scale. That sentence is actually broken, Sarah. Never, ever say the word passion on your personal statement. It is the definition of telling. Stop saying passion. The skills I have cultivated as a scientist, such as diligence, now we're just going to list the skills, really, such as diligence, critical thinking, and organization will be essential to my future career in law. My background in science has played a vital role in my motivation to pursue healthcare law, as well as allowed me to get a glimpse of what a future career as a lawyer will entail. I hope to use the insight I have gained from my experience in clinical research to be an advocate for positive change in the medical field and impact health outcomes on a large scale.
0: What do you think? Too much telling. Too many vitals. Vitals showed up twice here. As well as showed up twice. Yep. Yep.
1: Sarah, you're a good writer. Um, I'm not worried about you being able to like eventually do this on your own and come up with a, a solid um, like professional document. The storytelling leaves something seriously to be desired because this is this is one of the least personal personal statements we've ever seen. I mean, it's just it's so it's antiseptic. You know, it's it, it's, it's clinical. Yeah, it is. It is. It's. It's real. It's real vague. I don't have a picture of you as a person. I, I don't. Are you in a cubicle? Are you in an office? Who's next to you? What do they look like? What are they wearing? What are you wearing? What are you? What are you like? When you get to the office in the morning, what do you do? Who do you interact with? When you make these reports or whatever, who who looks at them? What happens? Do they? ask you to make changes, Did they, they thank you for you know doing something new that they haven't
0: seen before? I just had a realization. Yes. When you go home from work, I imagine that whoever you live with, if you live with anyone or whoever you hang out with, there are occasions when you tell them stories about work. Now, a lot of stories about work are stories that are, you know, inter-office politics that are just interesting or gossipy. But there are stories, too, that I hope, at least, have to do with what you're doing. Like, you go home and you say, you wouldn't believe what happened today. We made a breakthrough in our research when we discovered that this one thing we thought was going to happen didn't happen, but this other totally unexpected thing happened after we looked at this data from this study that was conducted two years ago and was ignored or whatever, you know, you're sitting there and you want to tell someone about what you did at work and that was substantive and interesting. If you don't want to tell the admissions officer about this, it's probably not something that you should tell them. And when you're telling that story to your friend, you're giving them details. You're giving them enough to understand why you're excited or surprised by whatever happened at work. Um, I'm not saying that every personal statement should be about something that was surprising, but if if it is truly something that you have a passion about, what would you tell someone? What would you tell a friend enough to understand why it's interesting, and they would walk away being like, "Oh, that's cool," and I learned something, and I understand like what you're doing at work. I see it more. Yeah, people, places, and things. Who who?
1: What and an, an action. What did you do? Mm-hmm. This has way too much telling about how much Sarah wants to do healthcare law, how, how she's so captivated by the role of an attorney and blah, blah, blah about that. It's, it's just not, it, it's nothing to do with who the law school is getting. I mean, yeah, they know you want to be a lawyer. I mean, <laughs> you're applying for law school.
0: Uh, Final thought for me, at least, is sentences like this. The skills I've cultivated as a scientist, such as diligence, critical thinking, and organization will be essential to my future career in law. Anyone and everyone who's going to write a personal statement should not talk about how their skills or their knowledge or their background will help them in their legal career. You have not become a lawyer yet. If you know that it will help you because you've worked with lawyers you don't need to tell the law schools that they will understand it based on what you're telling them about what you've done. So these sentences have no place ever in a personal statement.
1: I agree. A hundred percent. Cool. Um, ben, it's time for a new feature on the show. Oh, okay. The new feature is called, and we've talked about doing this in the past, but we're going to actually start doing it.
0: Okay. I like it.
1: It's called pearls versus turds.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. This comes from a long time. <laughs>
1: yeah. On Pearls versus Turds, we're going to look at a piece of LSAT mm, wisdom okay. that listeners uh, send in from a variety of different sources. Uh, this, this was posted to the Facebook group. And it's a, it's a tip that someone got from some LSAT guru out there in the world. And we are going to decide whether it's a pearl of wisdom or a turd of wisdom. So that's okay. pearls versus turds. Cool. You Are you ready? ready? Yeah. Okay, so this one is just get down to the two best answers, guess between those two, and move on. Uh
0: that's the that's the person's <laughs> advice.
1: That's a tip, yeah. <laughs> that's a tip from um I think someone was at some sort of a pre-law thing and they they gave a whole bunch of LSAT tips,
0: including that one. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's clearly a turd. Why is that a turd? This is a turd for so many reasons, but let's start with (laughs) one of the most obvious ones, at least in my mind. If this is your strategy, just get down to the two best answers, guess between those two and move on. Um, You're basically shooting for... You're, you're aiming for where everyone else who has any remote chance of doing well on this test is at already. If you talk to anyone, even in like sometimes <laughs> the 140s, they say, oh, well, I got it down to these two answers and I picked the wrong one. So getting it down to the two best answers is just par for the course. That's what everyone else on the test is doing, even people who are presumably scoring a lot lower than you are so then to guess at that point and move on seems to be giving up at the very moment that you can separate yourself from the other test takers
1: (laughs) yeah if you narrow it down to two your expected value is now half a point Mm -hmm. if you narrow it down to one your expected value is one point yeah so (laughs) you can i mean if you randomly guess your expected value is two tenths of a point So getting it from two-tenths of a point to half a point, you've added three-tenths of a point in expectation.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? Now you can add another half a point of expectation by figuring out which one of those answers is right and which one's wrong. Yeah, It's exactly the wrong
0: advice. This is
1: a clear turd.
0: You know, I I don't have a problem with it in the rare instances where you've, Done your best, and you have reread the passage, you've reread the question, you've compared the answers word by word, and you don't see which one is better. At some point, you just have to say, Okay, well, it's one of these two, and move on. But that is the exception, not the rule.
1: Yeah, because you could be 10 seconds away from unlocking it. If you closed your eyes for five seconds and took a deep breath, you might reopen your eyes and see exactly why the wrong answer is wrong.
0: Amen. I mean, how many people, after the test is over, go back to the question, look at it for a half second again, and then say, oh, yeah, of course, the answer is D. And they just didn't Why do do I always do that? Why do I always do that? Why does that
1: always happen? And I'm like, because you didn't take it seriously enough the first time through? Because you're racing the clock, because you're so anxious, worried about the time, think you have to finish the section. So you race. So then, yeah, you don't get paid for that work you do because you did shitty work. You just didn't finish the job. You gotta finish the job. These questions make sense. You should be able to sort them out. Maybe think about the question type, if this is logical reasoning that we're talking about. That can Mm -hmm. help, right? Yeah. Answer choice. Strength might matter. Think about that. Is this a must be true question? Hmm. Is one of these two answers stronger than the other? Hmm. Is it really justified? Oh, I see. It's too strong. Or if this is a strengthening question. Hmm. Ooh, I see that this answer actually says some, uh, that's kind of weak. Does it really strengthen the argument? Oh, this other one says most or all. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's actually better. Yeah. And that, that moment could be the difference between a zero and a one. Mm-hmm. So what? I want to say one other thing about this strategy. If you find that you are frequently down to the two best answers, I think it indicates that you're doing the test too passively. You're not making good enough predictions. You don't know what you're looking for. You're hoping that the answer choices are going to explain it to you. And you just shouldn't be narrowing it down that often. That's that's not the right way to do the test. It's the hard way to do the test because you're going to get trapped and distracted and confused by these wrong answers. And it's it's far more frequent for me that I hate all five answers Mm -hmm. than it is that I narrow it down to the, the two best. Yeah. They're there. It's, it's just not as common as you think. There aren't that many second best answers there. There are usually four conclusively wrong answers. Like wrong for a reason, not, not second best. I mean, just Wrong. And so when you think you've narrowed it down to the two best, it's more likely that you just kind of got suckered by an actually wrong answer, like objectively wrong.
0: And even and even when an answer is plausible or second best because it would work if the other answer were gone, it's worse for a concrete reason. You know, one thing I've started doing recently <laughs> is that people, I'll say, well, why is that answer wrong? Or why is it worse? So I say, why is that wrong? And they'll say, well, it's. I see that the correct answer is better. Go, okay, you're, yeah, you're right, it's better. Why is that one worse? And they'll just say, well, it doesn't quite like fit. <laughs> I say to them, look, dude, if you were got this question wrong, and you did, and you didn't understand why the correct answer was correct, And you wrote a letter to LSAC and said, please explain why this answer is wrong and the correct answer is correct. And they wrote back to you and said, well, the correct or the wrong answer is not as good of a fit. Would you be like, (laughs) sure. Okay, yeah, you're right. You would say, fuck you. That doesn't make any sense. I need specific words and reasons Why it's not as a good fit. Fine. It's not as good of a fit. Fine. It's out of scope if you want to say that stupid phrase. But why? What word or what assumption is being made in this answer choice that's not being made in the correct answer that makes it worse? And so, and then when people sometimes people laugh and they're like, Yeah, okay. And it's like they sit there and they think a little bit longer and sometimes they start guessing at words, you know, like, well, is it is it critical? (laughs) Is it it vital? And it's like, well, um, yeah, actually it is that word. Why do you think it's that word? Or nope, it's a different word or whatever. You know, you've got to dig into the words. There's going to be one or more words that makes that answer wrong. And you need to know what those words are.
1: Absolutely. Uh, This is a garbage strategy that is, I think, targeted at, you know, 135 scorers who are trying to get to 145.
0: Yeah. Might actually help if they have a 50, 50 shot.
1: Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah. But instead here we, this, this is not going to help you get to an actual, like feasible, (laughs) viable LSAT score. For the for law school, yeah. No, you you need if you're gonna to go to law school, you need to actually be understanding the goddamn LSAT. If you can't understand the LSAT, you cannot understand law school. Jesus Christ, <laughs> you, you have no idea what you're in for. If you if you're like really struggling to understand the LSAT, mm-hmm. you, <laughs> law school is going to be just bewildering. And you you've got to commit to the idea that you're gonna be able to figure this shit out. So, no, ain't no, narrow it down to two and guess and move on. That's, yeah. that's, that's a big, bad turd. All right. I say we leave the personal statement for next time. Yeah. And dive into this LSAT
0: India question? Sure, yeah. All right, why don't you go ahead? Okay. <clears throat> this is from the 2009 LSAT India section one, question three. Not that anyone will be able to find it, but just for the record, that's where it's from. Um, question three says... The pigment that gives fresh blueberries their deep purplish-blue color is found in the berry's skin, not in its flesh, which is pale green. Okay, sounds like a fact to me. Therefore, all right, so we just read a premise. Since the smaller the berry, the more skin there is in relation to the rest of the berry, it follows that a pie filling made from a pound or 2 of fresh whole blueberries
1: blank line cover up the answer choices yeah if you can't answer this one before looking at the answer choices you just can't answer it yeah you you need you need to predict the answer here that's that's how we avoid narrowing it down to 2 and picking a wrong answer is we just know what the goddamn answer is before we look at the answer choices yeah I mean, what are they trying to
0: say here, Ben? Well, what they're trying to say is that the color is in the skin. And if you have a smaller berry, then there's more skin compared to the rest of the berry. So there's more, at least relative to the rest of the berry, color or deep purplish blue color. Yep. So I would expect if someone made a pie filling with smaller berries... Rather than larger berries, they would have a darker, or at least a a pie that's closer to the purplish blue color, rather than the pale green color from the flesh. In if other words, the ratio. Yeah, yeah.
1: If you and and that has to be the the point of all of this. <laughs> Why the hell did they tell you that the pigments in the skin, not the flesh? Why did they tell you that the smaller the berry, the more skin there is in relation to the rest of the berry? And now if they're starting to speculate about what happens in a pie filling, you have to just put all that together and go, oh, so if I want a darker pie, I need to use smaller berries. Yeah. Or if I use big berries, it's going to be not as dark of a pie
0: or pale green. <laughs> It'll it might be a
1: pale green blueberry pie. I mean, who cares? It's going to taste like blueberries, right? But yeah, if you want that color, you're going to need to use smaller berries. Yep. Okay. And now we just answer the question. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't reread the question stem yet.
0: Which one of the most logically completes the argument, which is not surprising since they had a blank line? Yeah. What kind of a question would you call that? I would call this a must be true question. Yep. 95% of the time, there is sometimes cases where this blank line comes right after the word because. And so like, yeah. So you're trying to fill in a premise, but that's super rare. And it's not happening here anyway. Not happening here. Uh, It follows that is um, our conclusion indicator yet again. Okay, so let's complete this sentence. Whole blueberries should be made of the freshest berries available. We never talked about whether this is good or bad. Yeah.
1: Out. If you're picking that, you're just like totally, you're like, yeah, well, it'll be delicious. (laughs) In which case, you have just ignored what they've said. You're just
0: not paying attention. Nope. All right. (laughs) Maybe this is one of the two you narrow it down to. Uh, Anyways, we'll see. B, whole blueberries will taste the same whether the berries used are large or small. We never talked about the taste or how it's affected by the color, so out. Okay. Whole blueberries will taste good only if made of high-quality berries. Never it's kind of weird how you quality. keep saying whole blueberries as the
1: beginning. I mean, it's really pie filling, right? A pie filling made, a pie filling will.
0: Well, I'm saying whole blueberries because that's what they said right before that line.
1: Yeah, I know, but I mean, whole blueberries is not actually the like now the ver the uh, subject of that pie filling is the subject.
0: Oh yeah, it's weird that I'm reading it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so pie filling should be
1: made of the freshest berries available. Is a nah yeah. The pie filling will taste the same whether the berries are large or small. I mean, maybe, but that's not their
0: point. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. (laughs) Thank you. Although, (laughs) still getting rid of the wrong, I mean, the wrong answers. Let's see here. So the pie filling will be darker if small berries rather than large ones are used. That's exactly what we predicted. It's just the whole point of all
1: of this. What possibly were they trying to say if they weren't trying to say that?
0: yeah okay. that's the answer, but let's take a look. Pie filling will be more flavorful, okay. I can just stop right there because we never talked about the flavor.
1: yep very good. easy question answers d very predictable. That's a must be true slash kind of like a main conclusion question. yep, and all it is is are you tuned in? Can you pay attention to the facts and then just sort of put the pieces of the puzzle together, yeah. It's not that hard if you think about it for five seconds before you go into the answer choices, but I can definitely see people missing that Mm -hmm. by just not really being tuned in and being, being too passive. You end up spending all kinds of time on answer choices and yeah, I'm not, I used to be sort of more proud of people when they narrowed it down to two, if, if those two included the right answer.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But these days, I'm just like, really, you're. If you're narrowing it down, I think that indicates to me that you just you didn't like sort it out in the first place. Mm-hmm. You you probably got to the answer choices too quickly, and then now you're gonna just be getting confused. And it, it takes a lot longer to do it that way. By the way. Yeah.
0: All right. That's that. That was show number one sixty seven. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law